You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. This is some bare naked ladies. Oh, and Maddie Rose. Put them down on the table and she's like, oh, all she'll ever say is, oh, God, this is tight. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Straight ahead. He should be here soon. Mr. Frank Saravalli in studio from NHL Daily Faceoff. And the Cobra is slithering in Lloyd Minster right now. I don't know which side he's on, but he's there right now. And we got to ask him if he went down the water slide. He went to a bar with a smoking room. Like lots uh, of no, things. No, a smoking this, exit. A smoking exit. And uh, oh yeah, the Flames lost to the Leafs last night 4-3. Can you do a smoking room? In, in I know the there's one still? at the Atlanta airport. And it's like got the sliding doors, the glass sliding doors, and you walk in, yeah. it's just plumes of smoke in there. You go to any airport in Europe as well, and they typically have them. Guys just crushing heaters in there the whole time. Yeah, well, you gotta. Yeah, of course. Before we get on the plane. Um, let's do our NFL Apparently big bets. burning them by those jets is not so good. For sure. Uh, let's do our NFL big bets brought to you by Sports Select. Never miss a betting opportunity with Sports Select. More sports, more leagues, and more thrills. That's sportselect.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. As we head into the best weekend of football ever, the divisional round, uh, Maddie last week, five and one, spectacular. Patrick, four, one and one, and myself as mediocre as possible. Three and three overall standings. Maddie, a scorching 71, 41 and two on the season. Patrick, mm. 59, 51 and four. And I'm just trying to get over the, the Mendoza line. <laughs> 55, 57 and two. Let's hit it, GVP. Show Let's me do it. Back. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Gambling? What's anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. All right, let's fire it up mm-hmm. for a Friday. Tomorrow night in Charm City, the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Houston Texans. The Ravens, minus nine and a half point favorites, the total 43 and a half. You know what? I have underwritten down here. I'm going to call it's, it an It's audible. been the key to your success. It's, it has been the key to my success, but don't worry. I got plenty on the card, as I usually do. I am switching it up. This is going to be a little bit of a windy game, perhaps. No, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing the safe play. I'm taking the under. I double-clutched myself there. I'm taking the under. We're not going to get into it. 43.5 is a good total. I think CJ Stroud is going to be able to Put up some points in this game, but the wind does worry me a little bit. I'm still going to go with the under. Safe bet. Uh, I think uh, I think the Texans can keep this close. I think nine and a half points is a lot, and obviously the Ravens look like the best team in football and probably the Super Bowl favorites. But it's the old uh, rest versus rust argument. Lamar Jackson has one playoff win. A lot of pressure on the Ravens to get this done. Houston going in all loosey-goosey after throwing for a bajillion yards against one of the best defenses in the NFL and the Cleveland Browns. I like the I like the Texans and C.J. Stroud getting the points. That's what I was going to go to. I'm going to take them getting nine and a half. GVP, what did Patrick Dumont take? Uh, Patrick's on the same wavelength as you. He's going to ride the Texans as well. Uh, we also have Shan here to explain with no preparation whatsoever. Why Patrick's taking the Texans plus nine and a half? Well, Patrick told me that C.J. Stroud is the second best young quarterback in the league, just behind Jordan Love, and uh, says C.J. Stroud's going to have a great game. So it's going to be a close one. Did he really tell you that, or you're you're t- telling tales out of school? I'm telling tales. Are you fibbing? 
Yeah. I'm fibbing. But I that would be something he would say. That's what I'm saying. Shan, can you please not jump on our show and <laughs> yeah. try to weave a web of deceit? Yeah, no problem. I'll okay. work on that. All right. Next game. Unbelievable. Levi Stadium in Santa Kid, Clara. Kids these days. It is the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers. Niners, nine and a half point favorites. The total, 50 and a half. It's going to be a rainy one. I'm going to take the pack here, though. I, I just think this plucky team has been able to keep it close in a lot of games uh, going into San Fran. I'm, I'm going to say that they keep it close. I'm going to take the Packers plus the points. Okay. Riding with my boy, Patty Dumas. Again, I think the dogs will be barking on Saturday. Oh, woo. I think the uh, Packers can keep this close. Mm-hmm. Going to be a sloppy game out there. It was more of a howl than a bark. Yeah. The Packers can run the football, Woof. too, with Aaron Jones mm-hmm. and Jordan Love. If there's one thing you can exploit on the San Francisco 49ers, it's their secondary. And I think potentially the Packers can keep this close enough. Although uh, Kyle Shanahan has destroyed Matt LaFleur in head-to-head matchups. I do have faith that the Packers can keep this within nine and a half points. I'm going to ride the pack getting nine and a half. Let's GVP. do it. Yeah. What is pa- yeah. Fine. Knuckles. knuckles. What is uh, GVP like? Or well, what is Patrick like GVP? Well, we know Patrick loves the Packers. He's going to be riding his boys. Taking is he? Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Why, Shan? Yeah. Best team in the NFL. The Packers. Shan, I we need a little more than that. <laughs> that's, that's what Patrick would say. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Detroit Motor City Lions. The Leons minus six and a half point favors. The total 48 and a half. Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, the Buccaneers going on the road. Time to bake. Somehow earned themselves a home playoff game last week, mostly because the Eagles just stumbling and bumbling into the playoffs. They got the win against the Eagles. Eagles couldn't get out of their own way. This is a little bit of a different beast in Detroit. I'm going to take the Lions minus the six and a half to win by a touchdown. I just think that this is the time that uh, the souffle goes flat. Okay. I am. uh, I think uh, Tampa Bay's uh, defense travels well. Mm. They're good at stopping the run. Sure. I think this game's going to be surprisingly low scoring. I think this total of 48 and a half is a little high. I'm going to take the under 48 and a half between the Lions and the Buccaneers. How dare you? Yeah. My play. Uh, GVP, what is Patty Dumas like? Uh, Patrick's going elsewhere. He's going to take Baker and the Bucks to bake. He's going to take them plus six and a half. And why is he doing that, Shan? Well, he saw Baker played through an injury last week. He's all he's all healed up. Uh, Lions have bit <laughs> off all the kneecaps that they can. I think their, uh, their end's going to run here. Their run is going to end here. <laughs> Dang it! The end is going to run. Dang right. it! <laughs> okay, it's all right. I've had my end run a couple times. Not pleasant. Uh, The crown jewel of the slate in the divisional round, the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions at the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo minus three-point favorites. The total, 45 and a half. It's going to be cold in this game. It's going to be quite cold. You know what these two teams do when they play in the playoffs, though? Shoot the lights out. Okay. The last two games they've played in the postseason have gone well over 50 points. Granted, this iteration of the Chiefs is not one of the past, and this Bills team can definitely turn the ball over. So I'm going to go with the under. Okay. How's that for a little bit of an under? Under 45 and a half. You know what? I really want... This is just... I'm going to go with my heart here. Uh Uh-huh. And I usually don't. I, I usually try to rationalize my picks and... Me rationalizing picks hasn't worked for me all season, so I'm going to go with my heart here. You said it, not me. I, I want to see the Buffalo Bills get it done. I want to see Josh Allen finally slay Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And really, we all have Chiefs fatigue anyway. Yep. 
Like, who wants to see the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl? Swag I appreciate everything. Yeah, like, well, yeah. And I wonder if T-Swift's at the game. He'll probably be in Buffalo. Yeah, it's a playoff game. Yeah, it's important. But I want to see Josh Allen and the Bills the finally get this done, get over the hump, finally beat the Chiefs, and get back to the AFC title game. Give me the Buffalo Bills minus the three points. GVP, what is Patty Dumont taking? Uh, Patty thinks it's going to be low scoring. He's going to be on the under on this one. And why, Shan? Well, it's going to be a cold day, and, you know, Chiefs and Bills, they've had their shootouts, but uh, this is not the same Chiefs offense, and uh, I think the Such Bills have hack. used all their magic. So, uh, yeah, l- low-scoring game. It's, it's not going to be a shootout like we've seen, and uh, I don't think the Chiefs have it anymore. Okay. Um, all right. Um, we have one prop to do. There's two. There's another one on the second page. Oh, wait. Okay, two props. Uh, we got to get to them quickly. Lamar Jackson over under 250. 25 passing yards. Wind is a factor. I think the Ravens start to lean on their run game as a result. I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up getting a lead here and start to run the ball. I'm going to take the under. Okay, I am going to take the under as well. I feel like uh, the Ravens are going to want to pound the football here. Jump on the Gus bus, and I think Lamar Jackson will be using his legs. I'm going to take the under passing yards for Lamar Jackson. What is Patty Dumas taking? Patrick's going the other way. He's going to take the over here. And why is that? Lamar Jackson having an MVP season. He's gonna he's gonna show out. He's gonna show that he's not just a running back. This is his day. Okay. He's never been a running back. He's and the and the final proposition uh, we have is the Rashad White, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His totals just fifty four and a half. Matty. I'm gonna go the under here. I think that the Lions end up with an early lead here, kind of try and get the jump on the Buccaneers. That crowd at their backs, and as a result, I expect Baker to try and throw the ball as this game goes on. Uh, I don't love it because Rashad White has gone over this total in, I think, seven of his last nine games. But I just have more faith in the Lions. I know their run defense isn't great, but I'm still going to take the under on Rashad White. Well, their run defense was incredible to start the season. They were on a historically great pace, the Detroit Motor City Lions, uh, giving up uh, rushing yards. Um, I'm going to take the under here. I think Baker's going to have to throw the football to keep the Buccaneers close here, although I do like the under. I'm going to take under the rushing yards of Rashad White. And finally, what is Patty Dumont taking? All you guys on the same page in this one. He's going uh, under as well. And why is that, Shan? Why would you run when there's people there barking, biting kneecaps? Just throw the ball. Okay. All right. Our NFL <laughs> Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. <laughs> that might have been your best one of, of mm. the six. Yes. You hear it that wasn't stuff on good. the big, you, Listen, you get more of that when you tune into the Big Pigeon Show on Sportsnet 960. <laughs> big Pidge. <laughs> my co-host is home, of course. Yeah. NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. I think you should lean into it. Never miss a betting opportunity with Sports Select. More sports, more leagues, and more thrills at SportsSelect.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Frank Cervalli next in studio, maybe? When, when Patty Duma and I did our own show back yeah. in the day when we first started here like 10 years ago. Was we it called the awesome it, show? We called it Leftovers. Oh, there used to be a show on uh, Fox years ago, sports, called mm-hmm. uh, Cold Pizza. I thought that was oh. a great name for a sports show. Yeah, it's a fine name. I, yeah. It's kind of the exact same kind yeah, of concept here. Yeah. 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 You'll listen to it because it's in the fridge, but eh, you'd probably prefer something hot. Right. Yeah. Okay, Frank Cervalli next, we hope. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the top of the hour, uh, the Cobra from Lloyd Minster. He'll join us. Break down the Flames 4-3 loss last night to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Big Show Flames analyst. We'll also do Plays of the Week to wrap up the week. But right now... <gasps> I forgot about Plays of the Week. Yeah, in studio 
in studio, Mr. Frank Cervalli, NHL Insider Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's a perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. It's always a special treat when you join us in studio. I'm not yes. going to lie. Yes, let's go. <laughs> and right away, you being the insider type that you are, scoop Cervalli. Sleuth Cerevoli. No, no, not Sleuth. We, we said we weren't going to do that. Oh, so you like Scoop? That's my bad. No, I just, how about just Frank? Okay. Hey, uh, you have an update on Pospisil already. Yeah, it's uh, as bad as it looked uh-huh. last night at the Dome and how awkward that was. It seems like it's relatively good news for the Calgary Flames that Pospisil is going to be out week to week. They're going to see how he feels this morning. So sometime after the All-Star break. But the good news is certainly nothing season ending. Okay. Which is uh, certainly, you know, when you look at the change in this team, I think, over the last two months, maybe. I think he's been part of that young Mm -hmm. core that's certainly given everyone a shot in the arm after a really tough start to the season. And, you know, it's the fact that he's not going to miss the rest of the season is big news. And it's also what he brings to the lineup, right? It's that jam. It's that rat in him. And he's really found a great spot with Kadri and Zeri. Yep. He's brought the best out of Kadri. Uh, so far, I think, in his tenure in Calgary, yes. It's been fun to watch them play and kind of see the lines kind of start to work together here as well. But now they obviously have to make a little bit of an adjustment to the group mm-hmm. week to week. That's some sort of a an absence that we're going to see. Um, the nice know. part, though, is that you have the break and the bye week that's built yeah. into that, and hopefully on the other side of that, he's not far away from returning. Well, essentially, they've got, what, three, four games left on this homestand, then they've got the all-star break, and then they go out east to play the New York group, the four teams out there coming out of the break. So, And that's two, three weeks away. It's and not you far, You really. only play three yeah. games, four games before that, so... You might not even be without him for too long. I think they were pretty concerned last night. I think we all were watching it, yeah. especially how awkward that was. Yeah, it was almost violent. Like, not, not, not malicious. For, for, yeah. for nothing being connected to it, An really. An awkward fall that just the collision, the way he went into the boards, it, you hate to see it, yep. right? And, and we also talked about how it kind of took the wind out of the sails of the Flames last night after that injury. Yeah, I mean, I also think they stopped playing a little bit, too. Yeah. They actually did to the Leafs what the Leafs have been doing to everyone else, which is get a lead and sit back. Right. I mean, look look back at that first period. The Leafs had nothing. On their heels. Nothing going. They, they didn't even spend time in, in the flame zone. Mm-hmm. Um, what, did you, um, what did you make last night of uh, Dan Vladar's performance? I thought it was average. Yeah. Is that fair? Like there were some bright moments, I guess, in the third period, and then a couple goals that you were like, ah, that's tough. And the bottom line is, whenever you give up that number in an NHL game, your your team's chances to win are pretty small. It's one of those things. Like I had people tweeting to me about, well, oh, this is why you got to go out and get superstars, and this is why you have to tank the team when Austin Matthews goes off and scores four and or scores three and is hats thrown down on the ice and all that. Where do you think the Flames are kind of at as far as the direction that they feel the team needs to go here? They're doing their pro scouting meetings right now. The trade deadline's coming up on the horizon here. Do you think that they have a direction that they have decided that they kind of need to go here? You know, I, I think they're looking at a team that needs major surgery. And 
the pending, you know, had they been mid-cycle in all these contracts, maybe the answer is different. Mm. But the fact that so many of these guys are coming up at the same time really allows them to go in a different direction. And the point that I've continued to make with you guys all year long is you're not winning with these guys. You're, you're over 500 now, and the, the push that this team has made, the adjustments, and I think a lot of it is on the back of the young guys that we just talked about, yeah. that that gives you hope that some of the core pieces that you have, like Kadri isn't going anywhere, most likely. Huberto has played a little bit better. Sharon Govich, to me, has been one of the great stories of the year. I tweeted about it last night. 19 goals on the year. That trade is is a home run yeah. for Craig Conroy and, and happened under duress. Yeah. And, and it was his first deal. First deal and quickly. He wanted to move Tyler Toffoli so that nothing festered. That was the one guy that it was sort of like, hey, I'm, there's no chance that I can make this work. And so they had to do something. And it's, it's turned out really nicely. It, and a lot of guys criticized it in the first 24 to 48 hours too, right? You got to love when this kind of turns out as a new GM and you can kind of look at it and say, well... Well, we, we have, called it. We also talked about how the return on the face of it felt a little underwhelming. When you're trading away your leading goal scorer, a guy who has Stanley Cup pedigree, again, just being in, in the afterglow of the season where he was their most reliable forward, you're trading for a guy who was on the bottom six of the Devils and a third-round pick. But again, the trades worked out in spades. He also had 24 goals as a 22-year-old. Yeah. And people are thinking, okay, can he get back to that level? Was it a fluke season? And the answer is most clearly yes. He's six years younger than Toffoli. He has better production right now this season. Kills penalties. Three more goals. He's got some speed, which you need on this team. I I can't really think of a better fit in a 48-hour window that the, the Flames could have found than that. And and one thing we've noticed watching him, he uses his reach to his advantage very well. He's a guy that can get around guys just based on that long reach, and his hands are surprisingly a lot better than I think any of us thought. And especially at the beginning of the season where he was playing in the bottom six, he was on the fourth line it was, for a yeah, time. It was a little bit he was of a struggling. Start. He couldn't get you know his footing here. And now where would the Flames be without Sharon Govich? I wanted to ask you this. By the way, he, it helps that he's a shooter. I think the fact yeah. that he's a volume shooter is right. hugely important yeah. for this team that has a lot of a lot of players that make deliberate plays at the puck. Shooters got to shoot. Uh, not only in hockey, it's like but him life. and Kadri, and the rest were all essentially pass first type of guys. Yes. Um, how do the Devils think view that trade right now? And we I got a lot talked of about smoke it. from Devils fans in my mentions yesterday after yeah. tweeting that comparison <laughs> well, out. But that's what I want to know. Like, like they they essentially gave up on him and got an older player who they know has you know winning experience and a guy who can score you goals, but. I don't think there's any question, you know, the Flames, as of right now, have won that deal. Like, why did the Devils give up on that guy so much? Was it just opportunity? Like, what what was the rationale behind it? I think, at least according to Devils fans, they would answer that Lindy Ruff is essentially responsible for oh boy, running that guy out of town, not giving him enough opportunity. And I think on the surface, though, if you if you spin it back to that moment in time, the Devils are coming off of a somewhat deep playoff run. They've got a young core of players in place and they're thinking, okay, Tyler Toffoli could be one of those missing piece type players Mm -hmm. that, you know, especially with some playoff experience could really help us get back to where we were. The problem is for the devils. Damon Severson had some unbelievable quotes, by the way, as he gets set to play to face the devils. 
that he was saying, hey, like not not to toot my own horn or anything, but taking me and Ryan Graves out of the lineup, like you could see coming from a million miles away that this team was going to have growing pains. That's I'm paraphrasing, but that's almost exactly what the quote was. Right. And then you add in a Dougie Hamilton injury on top of that. Yeah. Gone for the season with a torn pectoral muscle and then take out Jonas Siegenthaler now for a stretch. Hmm. How many teams can withstand losing four of their top six defensemen in one six-month span? The answer is none. And now the Devils are, their playoff hopes in general are in peril, Mm -hmm. legitimate peril. What does that mean for that organization as a whole if they miss the playoffs this year? It probably just means that they need to take a step back and and find more support on defense. Like, yeah, yeah, Dougie Hamilton coming back is great, and Simone Nemitz and and the progress and Luke Hughes that they've shown this year has been awesome. Mm -hmm. To step in at that young of an age has been really impressive, but you can't do it on their back alone. Is there any chance to kind of mask some of their defensive deficiencies? Is there any chance they try to make a play for Jacob Markstrom? I'd be surprised. I mean, I I can see why it makes sense. Yeah. Because you want someone established at a position where you've really struggled. You'd want a little bit of security and not an overwhelming amount. But if I were the devil's building the way that I have pretty methodically, I'd also want someone a little bit closer to my team's age scheme mm-hmm. and not saying that Markstrom is old by any stretch, but I'd be more interested in someone like Merzlikens and see what kind of discount I could get him at from Columbus as opposed to Markstrom. And by the way, I don't, I don't, I understand what's going on with Dustin Wolf and, and the total aside, I would start Wolf on Saturday, mm-hmm. throw him right into the battle of Alberta. Why not? Yeah. I know that Markstrom might might play. Huska said that after the game last night. But what like this kid is is hyped. Yeah. He's looking at a potential third AHL goalie of the year. Mm-hmm. Why not? Go in, beat the Red Hot Oilers at home, and he's essentially arguably their top prospect. If if you're not making the playoffs, make that your Super Bowl. Hmm. They might make the playoffs, though. They might. We shall, talked about. We talked. Shall, to, shall we quote Daryl Sutter? <laughs> or hope, is it too soon? Hope is a dangerous thing. Which quote? There's so no, many. No, the waste of eight days is more along oh, the lines. Oh, of okay. Oh. But again, I've talked about it. Like if if the Flames played the Canucks or the Jets in round one, sign me up. It'd be fun to watch. Yeah, it would be. Sign me up. I'd much rather play those teams than the Avs, the Stars, the Golden Knights. Much rather play those teams. I just think the whoever gets the eighth seed is so far below yeah. the other seven teams in the West that are contending that you're I really think it's a waste of eight well, teams. Well who's got who's got the inside track on that spot, you think? Is it the Predators? Well that's the problem is no one's really good. Yeah. <laughs> right. The, yeah, like whoever gets in is Coyotes, gonna get in. But Blues. I think my point is like we've talked Kraken. about these, I've, yeah. we've talked about all these young players this year. If you're going to be 17th why not be 16th and get in right and even play eight days i don't know i just kind of saw it i could see the push if you get there yeah but between now and then is march 8th 
and the Flames are going to be subtracting, not adding. Mm -hmm. And maybe they, there's a, a piece here or there that they find that they want to plug in, and, and frankly, they should. As they're moving all of these UFAs out and considering roster changes, I think one of the real important things is that they get a piece or two back for the here and now. And not for this season, but to say a Sharon Govich type, 23, 24, 25 yeah. years old, someone that at some point is going to be an RFA that a team isn't going to want to pay, that you can't go all futures if you're trying to be competitive in two to three years. Uh, that's the voice of uh, NHL Daily Faceoffs, Frank Servali, in studio right now, courtesy of our friends at South Trail Exports. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We had the conversation this week that, I get it, you have to trade Elias Lindholm, you have to trade Chris Tanev. That's just asset management, smart what the Flames doing. You can get a ton for those guys on the market. I'm just not sure if this team is really close to a playoff spot that they make a move or two to maybe add to the roster separate of those deals. Do you think that's a possibility to get this team in the playoffs? Because the way Jacob Markstrom's playing, why not expose these young players to some playoff hockey? I don't see it. I, I can't imagine for a team that has a coherent or should have a coherent plan to bounce back, to be trading anything from your collection of assets, future or otherwise, mm. to just try and be the eight seed this year. It, it's I, I get exactly what you're saying. Everyone wants a taste of the playoffs. Sure. But that's not, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, like the one place I would look is your third pair, but I totally agree with you. Even if you're going to move out sixes and sevens to do that, why are you moving out assets for a run that, like we've said, in the end might end up just no, being but, the way. But, you're not but getting again. third pair improvements for sixes and sevens. Yeah. Anyway. Sure. It would need to be something better. No, but 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 to your point, something young that potentially they could use for the playoff run, that, that it's not just an unrestricted free agent. It's something that they can have moving forward. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. Is look at what the Canucks did last year. They're not a playoff team last year. They trade Bo Horvat, get a first-round pick. And Flip by the it. way, uh, the Horvat trade and the Ryan O'Reilly trade last year, I had a, a big breakdown of Elias Lindholm's game on dailyfaceoff.com yesterday. Scouting report, buyer beware, all these different facets of it. And then some trade comps. And those two are the, that's the field goal for Craig Conway to kick through. Those are the goalposts in terms of a return. And they were pretty healthy for both players, O'Reilly and Horvat. But what I liked about what the Canucks did, they're another team that was, they have a, a core set of players. And so you, you could make the argument that the Canucks are in a better position to build from with Pedersen and Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko. Yep. But they took that first round pick, which was in the mid teens from the Islanders, another fringe playoff team, mm -hmm. and they flipped it for Philip Aronik, who perfectly fits their age scheme, was maybe undervalued in Detroit, and also do a big payday. So a lot of those same sort of boxes that I've been connecting, that that's what the Flames need. Mm -hmm. They need future franchise centerpieces. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be expensive to do it. Don't nibble around the edges if you're going to do it. And it doesn't always work out that way that those types of players become unavailable because non other non-playoff teams like Detroit, if they're going to trade Aronic, they typically wait until the summer to do it. Mm -hmm. Sure. But that should be top of mind. What's the best destination for Elias Lindholm? For him, 
for the Flames? What's the Both. Answer? For him, I would say Colorado. Not bad. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. They need They've they, got some elite wingers. They they haven't filled the Nazem Kadri hole since winning the cup. Yeah, I mean Ryan Johansson ain't it. No. Nope. Nope. So they're I think they're in a good that'd be a good spot. And I think Colorado is one of those teams that has just more assets than others. Mm-hmm. What would some what would Craig Conroy and the Flames ask for from the Avalanche? And does a defenseman with a double B name, is that included in that deal? A lot of people have been Connecting saying that. that. I don't doesn't make any sense to me. And first off, I think and I look, love Bowen Byram as a player. The concussion issue, the history scares me. Hmm. But I if the if the Avs were going to move a defenseman, I think it would be Sam Girard before it would be Bo and Byram. At least that's how I see it. And even so, let's consider exactly the mode that the Avs are in. It's cup contender mode. And how often do cup contenders subtract pieces at the deadline when they're in the, in the adding stage? It's always for futures. It's the thing about Byram. He's playing regular NHL minutes. He's not playing top line or top pair in the AHL. And he's signed to a reasonable contract, and he's a, a you know an above-average defenseman. He's a a three, probably trending towards a two. Like, good luck. I mean, <laughs> I, that'd be of course you'd ask, mm-hmm. but those guys never they've they've withstood the cap challenges that they have to this point in large part thanks to. The Landis Cog injury. That may change next season, but it's not changing this year. And so long as you can keep another defenseman of that caliber for a playoff run, I think you worry about whatever changes you have to make cap wise and on the blue line in the summer if you're the Avs. Could that be an instance where the Avs trade Elias Lindholm or trade for Elias Lindholm and then potentially trade him at the draft or something? Maybe. Hey, go, yeah, go to that team. You get the eighth year on your deal. They've got a Miko Rantanen contract to figure out this summer. They've sure. got, they, otherwise, they've pretty much got everyone locked up. Mm. McKinnon long term, McCarr long term. Um, I wanted to ask you about that too, real Devon quick. Devon Taves long term. We we had the conversation last week about how the advantage for Florida teams and the Stars have with no state tax, and how that kind of quote unquote circumvents the salary cap without circumventing it. Do you like that, that teams do that around the around the draft, that you have that weak window between the end of the season, the end of the draft, and free agency when the new year starts where you can trade for a guy like Lindholm and give him the extra year? Do you like that? Because in the NBA with Pascal Siakam, they just traded him to the Pacers. He can't sign the Supermax now because he got traded from the team. Do you like the fact that teams can do that, that that eighth year moves along with them from team to team? No, I think that's cheesy. Okay. It all it really is is cap circumvention, because you're basically taking the same amount of money and dividing it by eight instead of seven. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. And I, it's I worth just it for those like... teams to pay pay a low round draft pick in order to do it. Yeah, it seems there's a lot of that in the NHL, which I think needs to get cleaned up. I'd love to see the state tax be made a low a level playing field. It's not just state; it's also federal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very different up here than down Like south. the California teams. 
New York teams. The Ontario teams. It's Lots of tax for those let, guys. So if you haven't, there's a great calculator online. It's just Google Gavin Wealth Group. And they ha- you can just plug in the teams and plug in the money, and you can see what each player nets. And it's the difference is so big that nine and a half million dollars in Florida, which is what Matthew Kachuk is getting, that's the equivalent of twelve point eight seven five in Toronto. Wow. Nine and a half to twelve point eight seven five. Now you wonder why he wanted to go and went to the Panthers from the Flames. Pretty well, good move by Matthew Kachuk. It's it's not just yeah, I don't think it was just that, but yeah. Lifestyle was a big part of it. <laughs> Not bad if you're Matthew Kachuk. Um, we're going to take a break. You're going to stick around with us for another 15 minutes or so. Okay. Well, I think we'll grab the Cobra on, on the phone line, too. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you, where's Corey Perry going? We'll do that next. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. With Frank Cervalli in studio, courtesy of South Trail Exports. Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan.